Good morning. God is good, amen? Yeah, amen. Yeah, Ted knows that I really don't want to be up here, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope everyone's doing well this morning. This is weird. Um, yeah, so we started reading the book of Exodus last week, and yeah, I'm going to just share something from there. Amen? All right, why don't we pray? Dear Lord, we just come before you. We give you praise and honor. We thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would um, Lord, just continue to be here in our midst. Lord, speak, Lord. Convict. Lord, um, encourage, Lord God. In your precious name, amen. Amen. All right, so... Yeah, I'll leave that there. So we're reading the book of uh, Exodus together, and I, I think, you know, it's going. It's, we did a study on that a couple years ago, a Bible study, a Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Exodus, and I think it's been pretty good. So um, I want to talk today about learning to live in freedom. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't, 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 don't say that yet, because you know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> This is me now, so, but yeah, but learning to, learning to live in freedom is one of the hardest things that we'll ever do. It's one of the hardest things we'll ever do. You might think, oh no, what are you talking about? What? But yeah, it is. Now, did you know that there's a, a whole branch of psychology, you know, called existential physiology that, that's based on the idea that the single greatest cause of dysfunction in human beings is the fear that it's caused by the realization that we have complete freedom. Right? That each of us ultimately is alone in the universe, right? And free to become whoever we wish to become, to shape our lives in any way we choose. You know, this freedom is terrifying, terrifying to people. And, um, and so we act in all kinds of ways to deny our freedom. We act in ways to deny it. Now, we blame others for our unhappiness, right? We say things that, like, I had no choice, when actually we had tons of choices. Um, we claim that others made us do this or that, when every single thing we do is actually our own choice. We're free to do anything we wish to do, as long as we're willing to accept the consequences. A lot of us aren't willing to accept the consequences, but we're, you know, you know, and it's, it's the consequences of living as free creatures that scares people half to death. It scares them half to death. Ever thought about that before? You know, ever thought about the responsibility that comes with freedom? About how much courage it actually takes to embrace your freedom and live as a free person? It takes a lot of courage. You know, as I said, learning to live in freedom, I think, is one of the hardest things that we'll ever do. I mean, there's a whole book, you know, in the Bible called Exodus that we're reading right now that's about the struggle of an, an entire people to learn to live in their newfound freedom. That's, now, I want to talk about, you know, their struggle this morning because I think, though, you know, it, <clears throat> sorry. I think that through it, 
we can, we can uh, come to understand how much about the struggle uh, each of us uh, faces, that each of us faces in, in, in to live morally and spiritually uh, free lives, right? So let's start with the opposite of freedom, right? So it's interesting, you know, through the course of history, slaves were, you know, acquired in many different ways, in several different ways. You know, the first way is by capture right prisoners of war commonly reduced it to slavery you know uh, you know because they were captured in war whatever it might be you know uh then there's the, there's by purchase we know about that you know <laughs> slaves were sold among all kinds of other merchandise you know from country to country and and in in the third way is, is by birth children born in the house of slave parents became houseborn slaves you know, the fourth is by restitution. If a thief could, could not make restitution to pay his fines or in damages, uh, funds towards this could be raised by selling him as a slave. You know, and this was a very common way of, of, uh, of ending up in slavery. Another way is similar, you know, by default of debts, default on debts. You know, debtors who went, they went bankrupt, you know, they were forced to sell their children as slaves or, or, or children could be confiscated as slaves uh, by the creditor. You know, that's, what, that's the way things were back then. Well, I don't know if it's like that now, but it probably is. <laughs> also, people end up, you know, in slavery by self-sale. By self you know, that's selling oneself voluntarily into slavery. Now, also, you know, the last one is like, uh, is, is, I have is by abduction, you know, uh, to steal a person, you know, abduct someone, and then to reduce that kidnapped person uh, to slavery. You know, we hear stories of people, you know, who have been abducted and held as sex slaves uh, or sold into sex slavery. You know, we call that human tra trafficking today. But there's still slavery in this world, right? Now, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, the Jews were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years, 400 years. See, a group of, of, of about 100 of them had settled in Egypt at the invitation of Pharaoh during the, during the time of famine. See, the, Egypt had food, and rather than continually go back and forth, back and forth from Canaan to, to, uh, to, to Egypt to buy the food, you know, they settled in Egypt. And Pharaoh, who was kind to them because his right-hand man, Joseph, you've heard about him in, in, the, in the book of Genesis, his right-hand man, Joseph, you know, has saved Egypt from famine. And Joseph was part of the family, that, the Hebrew family that came to live in, 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 in Egypt. And so eventually, though, as it may have, may have happened, you know, Joseph and his generation died. They all died. Sixty years after Joseph's death, uh, there was a new pharaoh. He didn't care about Joseph or his family. All he knew is that these guys were breeding like rabbits, and he didn't have any. You know, he didn't want them in this country. So, so he wanted to make them slaves. So, why don't you open your Bibles with me to uh, Exodus one? We're gonna go from eight to fourteen. We're gonna read from eight to fourteen. All right. Everyone there? It might be up there too. But uh, then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, 
came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become too numerous for us. Come, we must deal, deal shrewdly with him, with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built uh, Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were opp oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor with, in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. So that's the story of how the Hebrews, Hebrew people ended up enslaved in Egypt. About a hundred of them waltz into Egypt in the favor of the Pharaoh, you know, because of Joseph. Sixty years later, maybe revolution, I don't know, this is a new guy came to power, followed by 400 years of enslavement. 400 years. It's hard to imagine that kind of slavery. Yes, and, and you know, there's a history of slavery in our, in this, in our country. And yes, there's still slavery in the world today. Like, you know, there are over 45 million people enslaved today. 45 million. I looked it up and I, you know, I was like, wow. I didn't realize it was that many, but it's a lot of people, you know. However, I can't imagine, and I pray I never have to, you know, have to experience it, but what it would be like to be driven so hard to hard physical labor. You know, uh, to be to uh, for every day of my life to you know from sun up to sundown to be um, considered property to to uh, to be beaten for my children not to be my own uh, for every detail of my life to be determined by someone with a whip, you know, who who neither knows or cares a, a, a bit for me, anything for me. I can't imagine what it would be like to my spirit. What that would do to my spirit. I think it would, I would be completely broken. I don't know. There'll be no hope of escape, no chance of freedom. How do you live without hope? How do you live without hope? You know, the spirit cannot survive without it. And so that's why I believe that after 400 years of slavery, you know, the Hebrew people were broken people. They were broken. No, 400 years, that's a long time, a long time. That means that by the end of this period, a Hebrew slave's father and grandfather and great-great-grandfather and great-great, you know, whatever, you know, is actually about 20 generations, 20 generations. You know, you have to do 20 greats, you know, <laughs> to get a grip on that. Great-great-great-great-great-great-whatever. It's a lot of time. No, 20 generations of slavery, no concept of life and freedom, you know, not even a distant dream in the past of freedom, no notion of making, you know, choices to determine one's own identity, destiny, you know, no understanding of uh, personal responsibility. You know, I'm sure that at the end of that whip, those people still desired freedom most days. I'm sure they desired freedom. But they couldn't have, you know, have had any idea what freedom really was. 
They never had to buy food or provide for themselves. You know, they never had to, to you know, seek, you know, uh, or receive education. They never had to, to make their way in the world, as we say today. You know, you gotta make your way in the world. They never had any responsibility to, ma to make choices uh, to go a certain way in their lives. Their lives were already determined for them. Already determined for them. You might say the Hebrew people had a bondage identity. Had a bondage identity. Why is that important? Because I believe that many people to this day still have a bondage identity. They still have one. That even though they are physically free, they are, they're in spiritual bondage. They're in spiritual bondage. The Hebrews understood bondage and servitude, and that's all. That's all they understood. They couldn't, they couldn't relate to anything else. And, and they were in, in, in for a big surprise because, you know, there was already among them a guy, a man who was doing, you know, going to go, uh, going to go boldly before uh, Pharaoh and demand that they be freed. You know his name? Moses. That's right. So in the back country, somewhere on a mountaintop, mountainside somewhere, uh, unknown, to the, uh, unknown to the Hebrew people, a guy named Moses had an encounter with God out in the, out in the mountain. You know, you know, many of us know the story of Moses standing there talking to a bush, you know, that kept burning even though it wasn't consumed. You know, a voice was coming from the bush and, and the voice told him to go to Pharaoh and demand the release, the unconditional release of some two million Hebrew slaves. Let's think if you had two million slaves, I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, doing the work, doing everything you need to do around the country or whatever. It's a lot of people. If you don't know that story, you know, you could read with us through the book of Exodus or watch the Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments or many other movies. Uh, don't watch uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings. That's with Christian Bale. Awful. <laughs> that's a terrible movie. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway. Anyway, but God sent the 10 plagues to, uh, on Egypt and eventually Pharaoh gave in and released the slaves, about 2 million of them. Now, time for a little confession, right? You know, I work in a few ministries here at Living Word, a couple, you know, and often have weeks that, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how to deal with people, you know, deal with the people that I, I work with. Or, or, you know, or, or in, in the ministries that, that I lead, you know, and I often have, you know, I don't know what to do with them. Moses suddenly finds himself responsible for two million people. How do you do that? You know, I have like maybe 15 to 20 and I'm like struggling. But he had two million people and his job was to take them on a trek through the desert into the land God was promising him. He had to take them through the desert. Two million people. You know, if I was Moses, I would, you know, have marched out of Egypt saying, God, you are awesome. You are awesome. Thank you. These people are free. But God, now what? What do I do now? What's up? What's next? What's going on? Would you pray that prayer? Because guys, you know, how do you take two million people who have not known freedom in 20 generations and organize them and lead them to manage themselves. 
How do you do that? How do you do it? How do you expect them to deal with making the daily choice to continue to follow when they, you know, had never been, had never been made to make a choice in their lives? Never had to make a choice. In other words, what does freedom mean to a people with a bondage identity? What does freedom mean to a person whose spirit is broken? What does it mean? How do you go from being in captivity to being in freedom? What does freedom mean when you, when you have a bondage identity? When, when the, people, uh, the people Moses was leading had a bondage identity. And after the uh, parting of the, and after the parting of the Red Sea, you know, and after the the cymbal clanging and the gong banging of of the ten plagues in in Egypt, after the drama of Moses show, Moses's showdowns with with Pharaoh, you know, and the, and the majesty of Moses's conf, conf, uh, confrontation with the burning bush, the story of Exodus works like a tragedy. It works like a tragedy. It's not, the only, it's not only the, the story of a powerful God who delivered the Hebrews from slavery. It's also the tragic story of an enslaved people who, though they, were, they walked out of Egypt free, they walked out of Egypt free, never shook that identity. Never shook that slave identity, that bondage identity. You know, as a result, they made all kinds of stupid decisions, stupid choices. You know, they were constantly disobedient to God, you know, and they wandered the desert for 40 years, 40 years, 40 years, they wandered the desert. Do you think it's possible that right now there are spiritually free people living as slaves, people who have never given up the bondage identity? Possible and likely, very likely. Most of the Hebrews died in that desert. Most of them died in that desert. In fact, the book of Joshua records that every single one of the Hebrews, well, except two, right? <laughs> Joshua and Caleb, who Moses led out of slavery in Egypt died during those 40 years in the desert. Every single one of them. They died in the, in, in the desert. So the promised land was not given to the Hebrew slaves but to their, their children who had never been slaves. Didn't go to, their, to, the, to the slaves, it went to their children who had never been slaves, right? It's hard to escape a bonded identity. I mean, think about it. Those Hebrews must have, have, have left Egypt thinking, yes, we're free, you know? But they did not know how to live as free people. Didn't know how to do, know what to do with their freedom. The truth is that a generation of Hebrews left Egypt as slaves, wandered around the desert for 40 years, and died as slaves. Died as slaves. Their bondage identities ended up killing them, preventing them from ever embracing, ever seeing what was right in front of them. How did the Israelites miss freedom? How did their bondage identities keep them in chains long after they were free from Egypt? They, long after they left Egypt? We're going to look at four ways, right, today. And after that, we're going to look at some, uh, com some comparison to us today. So first, the Hebrews, you know, for the Hebrews, you know, they couldn't give allegiance. 
They couldn't give allegiance. Exodus chapter 32 records that when Moses went up to, the, uh, went up to get the Ten Commandments, you know, he went up to the mountain, get, met with God, got the Ten Commandments. You know, they got impatient. And had Moses' Moses' brother, Aaron, you know, who was the priest, he was their priest, you know, melt down some gold and, and forge into a, a calf, so, forge it into a calf so they could have something to worship. Crazy stuff. God had freed them from slavery and wanted their allegiance. But when you have a bondage identity, there's no allegiance to anyone but yourself. Allegiance comes from a choice, right? The choice you make to acknowledge someone over you. And there had never been a, any choice in their servitude. They never had, a ne never had to make a choice. All authority was cruel and illegitimate authority. So they never accepted the authority of God or Moses as God's instrument to lead them to freedom. Their religious, uh, you know, affections, you know, landed them wherever they la landed, wherever they landed. Wherever, it was, you know, it was with God, you know, when God was getting them out of Egypt. But just a while later, you know, it was with a cow, they forged out of gold. That's bondage identity. Second, they could not show gratitude. Just two months after they came out of Egypt, you know, and by some incredible miracles, here's what they were saying. They had all these miracles that brought them out of Egypt, across the Red Sea. You know, Pharaoh's armies like, were drowned in the sea. Uh, they had like a pillar of, of, of cloud during the day and one of fire at night. They, I mean, all these things were happening, all the miracles, everything that happened in Egypt to get them out. This is what the Israelites said. Why don't you turn with me to Exodus 16.3. Oh, you don't have to turn with me. It'll be behind me if you want. But uh, it says, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Man, you remember when we were slaves? Those were the good old days. That's basically what they were saying. Being a slave, oh man, that was just an awesome time. We had food all the time, you know, we just, we had everything we wanted, you know, but you brought us out into this desert to die. That's, that's crazy. The good old days. Things were, things were so good when they were slaves, right? Bondage, identity. This freedom thing stinks because we don't know where our food is coming from. But the bondage identity, gratitude, is impossible. It's impossible. When you have a bondage identity, bondage comes to look better than freedom. It starts to look better than freedom. But that's a, with, the, with this identity, freedom isn't worth what it costs. Forget about gratitude for freedom. We'd rather go back to Egypt. This freedom business is too confusing and scary. That's what they were thinking. That's what they were saying. Crazy mindset. Crazy mindset. So third, it could not exercise faith. They couldn't exercise faith. 
The people were hungry, right? So God sent stuff, from, stuff called manna from heaven during the night. Still in chapter 16. You know, every morning they got up and collected manna to eat. God asked the people not to collect extra manna in the morning. Just collect enough for the day. That's all you need to do. There'll be enough for, uh, for the next day. There'll be, there'll, be enough, there'll be enough the next day for you to go get some. Just have faith that each day there will be enough for that day. Right? Hmm. But they collected it anyway. But when you have a bondage identity, you'd better get what you can get while the getting's good, right? Gotta get what you can get. Better not trust anyone that anyone is looking out for you or cares about you or cares about what happens to you. Faith is hard, right? Bondage identity. Fourth, they couldn't, they, they couldn't voluntarily obey. They came from slavery. Obedience was forced upon them at the, by the end of the whip, at the end of a whip. You know, now they're free. They need to willingly obey a leader who will not physically force them to comply. It's not going to force them to do it. But they have to obey him. Now, as I said earlier, most days they were supposed to collect only manna for that day, right? But a day came when they were supposed to collect extra manna for the next day. That was the Sabbath, right? They went out and collected extra manna, right? So let's pick up there. So, you know, six days they're supposed to collect one for just for that day. Or wait, no. Yeah, five days. But the sixth day, they're supposed to collect for two days. That's all they had to do. No problem. So in Exodus 16, 24 to 28, it says, So they saved, up, saved it until morning, as Moses commanded. And it did not stink, stink or get maggots in it. Wow. It actually worked. So he says, Eat it today, said Moses, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, you were, you're not to be, well, there will not be any of it. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they didn't found, they found none. The Lord said, to, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? How long? Can't obey. Bondage identity. Guys, when, you, when, when all your discipline comes from the outside of you, you do not develop internal discipline. When someone else constantly controls you, you do not learn to control yourself. You see what bondage identity will do? It costs these people their lives. It costs them their lives. God had freed them. God had given them a chance to get a brand new place. God had provided for them a way of being free, but they could not or would not accept freedom. They could not give allegiance to God. They could not show gratitude. They could not exercise faith. They could not voluntarily obey. Their chains had been loosed in Egypt years before, years before, 
but they never really learned how to live without them. Because of that, they died still in bondage. Now let's talk about you and me. Uh-oh. You know, about 1,400 years later, or so later, yeah, a bunch of years later, another leader came and delivered, the, and, 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 and another leader and deliverer was born to Israel. Another person chosen by God to lead enslaved people to freedom. Another leader who, was, who goes to great measures to bring that freedom. Another person who not only brings freedom, but a new presence of God to his people. Another, another leader who frees people into a freedom they do not appreciate because they have bondage identities. That leader's name is Jesus. His first sermon in his hometown, Jesus stood and read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Here's what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me, anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus' ministry on earth was freedom, it was a freedom-bringing ministry. A freedom-bringing ministry. This is Christ's business. And through the gospel, throughout the Gospels, you, you see this is what he brought to every encounter. He brought freedom and healing and sight and release everywhere, everywhere he went. And in, in his death and resurrection, he provided the ultimate freedom. He provided the ultimate freedom. Freedom for you and I to experience the forgiveness of your sins, of our sins. Freedom for us to know God in a way we never could otherwise. We never could otherwise. This comes with release from chains of your past life and past ways of thinking that were, that were tying you down, tying you up in knots. You know, insight into your own uh, sin and, 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 and the need of a savior. And carries with it, you know, the good news that this life is not all there is. This life is not all there is. That you matter to God in ways you could never have imagined. In the ways that can make a difference in both this life and the life to come. Guys, you know, if the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is about anything... It's about freedom. Freedom that God has extended to you, offered you. And though your chains may drop off in an instant, you know, you have to learn to live without them. Christ can give you freedom, but you must shed the bondage identity. You gotta shed that identity. That old way of thinking that keeps bringing you down, trapping you. The problem is that, you know, although Christ has made you free, made us free, there are those that are still, around, still bound because they have what's called the circus, the circus elephant mentality. 
Everybody hear what that is? Ever hear about that? So the, what, is a circus, what is a circus elephant mentality, right? All right, I still got a few minutes. Well, have you ever seen a, 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 a circus elephant anchored to a ground, right? You've seen that. There was a small chain fastened to a, a metal collar tied around the elephant's leg, you know, and the chain is attached to a small wooden peg driven into the ground. Sounds like a good way to keep a, a, you know, an animal in place, right? Wrong. Wrong. Why? Because as easily as you and I can snap a popsicle stick, that eight-ton mighty elephant could yank a wooden peg right out of the ground and break that little chain in two. It can. But the elephant doesn't do that. Why not? Because in his mind, he doesn't realize the strength that lies within him. There's something that has caused the elephant to believe that he must remain bound. Watch this. Listen to this. All right. So when the elephant is, was a baby, its trainers used the same collar, peg, and chain method to keep the young elephant from getting loose. You know, at, the, at, at a young age, you know, the chain was indeed strong enough to prevent the elephant from breaking away. He struggled to get free from the chain and, and held, that held him bound. But because of his young age, his lack of strength, he was un, in his lack of strength, he was unable to, uh, uh, to, to cut the chain, to, to, to break the chain, right? Every day the elephant pulled and tugged and, and struggled and wrestled with the chain. The constant pulling that it, at that chain every day caused a cut to appear in his leg. Now forming a deep wound. It hurt so bad that the young elephant began to believe in his mind that the effort was, fruit, was fruitless. It's fruitless. Can't do it. Not able to break free. Because the elephant felt that all the, all the, the, the struggling was, was fruitless, you know, it developed a stronghold in his mind. And because of this stronghold, of hope, it caused hopelessness. And the baby elephant stopped trying to escape. So when he gets older, he still has that same, that same mindset. And even though he has the power to break that, that chain and, and, and pull out that peg, he doesn't because it's in his mind. It's in his head. You know, ever worn a hat all, all day long and then taking it off and you continue feeling like you had that hat on your head, you know, all evening? Same thing. Drives you crazy, doesn't it? You feel like you're wearing a hat, but you're not. In the same way, Jesus Christ can free you from the bondage of sin, but you can still feel like you're carrying it around. Why? Because we have to learn to live without our chains. We have to learn to live without our chains. We need to learn to live in freedom. It doesn't come naturally. After because you've been, you've been a certain way for so long, you know, it, it, may, it doesn't come naturally because you think that, you know, you're still bound up. You feel like you're still in those chains. There's a letting go that needs to happen. A certain, you know, a letting go of an old life, an embracing of a new one. That can be, that can be a huge struggle. And it's one that, takes, you know, that we take seriously here at Living Word. We take it seriously. 
So will you learn to live without your chains? Will you learn to give allegiance to your God? Your life has always been about your plans and yourself, your desires, your dreams, your allegiance has always been to yourself. Will you learn to give allegiance to God who has always, who has laid claim to your life? First Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, do, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Will you learn to, to adopt a posture of gratitude? One cannot experience God if one is not willing to learn to be grateful in all circumstances. And it's not easy. It's not that easy. It's not immediate. And it's not without frustration, but it's essential. It is essential. Colossians 3.17, it says, you know, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. That's what we're supposed to do. Will you learn to exercise faith? All our lives, we operate mostly according to what we can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. When we surrender our lives to God, we suddenly must learn to operate according to none of those things. Right? None of those things. We must learn a different way, learn a different way of, of, of knowing, different, way, different ways of thinking, different ways of relating to others. And faith is a cornerstone to them all. The one who gives his or her life to God and then will not learn to exercise faith will, faith will live in bondage all their lives. We gotta live by faith. We gotta exercise faith in all that we do. Hebrews eleven six it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, earnestly seeks him. Gotta live by faith. Will you learn to be obedient? God's desire for you will be will sometimes be at odds with what you would, would desire for yourself. In those moments, obedience is required. You must learn to choose God's way over your old way, your own way. James 4 7 it says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. God can loose the chains of sin, of self-absorption, anger, greed, lust, or whatever else you might have to be a slave to. That's what the death and resurrection of Jesus were all about. But you must be willing to learn to live as a free person. And in learning, it's a learning that takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. So we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle. But God is with us. We have to have faith. We have to believe that he is with us. So this morning, I want to invite you on a journey. On a journey to allow Christ to lead you from your, release you from your chains, 
you know, set you free from sin that it, and, and its hold on your life. Then to learn how to live without your chains. Live in freedom. Learn from the word of, learning from the word of God. You know, from, from learn from sermons. Learning from, you know, Christian books. You know, learning from other believers. Learning from your small groups here at Living Word. We need to learn to live in freedom. Learn to live without our chains. If not, we're going to continue to hold on to it. We'll die in bondage. We don't want that. Don't want that at all. Will you pray with me? Pray with me. Yeah, and you know what? I, I don't know where everyone is in this in here, but if you want to pray with me, you know, just in your head, and uh, when it gets close to you know to where you are, where you're at, that's fine too. So, Lord, we thank you that through Jesus you have loosed my chains, you've loosed our chains, and it set us free from our old life. Lord, we don't need it anymore, and, don't, and we want freedom, Lord God. Jesus, would you forgive our sins, past, present, and future, and be the new leader in our lives. Holy Spirit, will you make your home in our hearts? Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, for the way I've been living. I know I've grieved you deeply. I don't want to live that life anymore. Lord, help us to, to, to make a brand new start, Lord, and live in freedom, the freedom, Lord, that you give us. Lord, our lives are yours. It's not much, Lord, but it's everything that we have. It's everything that we have. Lord, please take our lives, Lord, and use it to accomplish whatever you want for your kingdom. Whatever you want in this, in this world, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us freedom. Thank you for bringing us freedom, Lord God. And Lord, help us to learn to live without our chains. Lord, to learn to live in freedom and trust you. Trust you above all else. Lord, not ourselves, not other people, but to trust you. In the name of Jesus who died for our sins and rose for our salvation. Amen. Amen.